So Kanga, thank you very much for joining me for a voice coffee with the editor. We're here at the Continental Workshop on the Implementation of the African Integrated High-Speed Railway Network. My goodness, that is a mouthful. What's Sarah's role here? A pleasure to have you as a media uh, covering this event. It's very important for railway visibility, uh, continental visibility of railway, and uh, what uh, developments we are going towards is very important that it's pronounced across the region because uh, really without uh, knowing what the plan is, then we are not heading anywhere. So what is Sarah doing here? Very good question and um, it, is, it is one which is very broad. Sarah, as you are aware, is a subsidiary organization of SADC. It's railway specialized, and uh, our job is mainly to advance the railway development agenda for the region. Our job looks at corridor development. This workshop uh, we are having this week is about corridors, basically, in the sense that it is the program for infrastructure development project, which is looking at continental uh, railway coordination. It is centered on the Africa Union high-speed railway project, which has prioritized railway links across the region. Essentially, those are corridors. In SADC, we have uh, two corridors uh, which have been prioritized to be like uh, the first on the master plan for the Africa high-speed railway. You have the Beira corridor, uh, which is Zambia, uh, Zimbabwe, through to Beira port in Mozambique. And then you also have the Namibian corridor, but mainly uh, Namibia through Botswana and then joining to the grid of the North-South corridor. Two corridors fall within the Sahara region, but I think the conversations that we've heard over the last two days are actually bigger than that in Correct. terms of the role that Sahara can play. Correct. From a standardization, from, mm -hmm. from a, you know, ensuring, because obviously we're all aware that any new railway project is going to be standard gauge. Correct. Um, and SARA members have quite a few projects on the go in various stages in terms yes. of development and forward going projects. So, the broader role here in terms of the conversation that you've been having, yeah. um, there's a bigger role for SARA to play. What is that? The bigger role for SARA to play, again, stems from the corridors, but the efficacy of principles around it, like you have highlighted. A corridor essentially means working together. So you need certain fundamentals in place for you to work together. A railway regional corridor uh, currently, whether it's in SADC, whether it's in EAC, whether it's in COMESA, you are talking about, first of all, governments agreeing on the mode of play. That calls for intergovernmental agreements. What is Sarah bringing to the table? We have developed an end-to-end -end business process framework which guides it's like a guide, it's a framework contract to guide management of railway corridors. That has, that has to be supported by government multilateral agreements. And a good example we gave of that is the Tazara operation, where you have a scope of a corridor, the Dar es Salaam corridor, under one legislation. Such a similar thing can be done for all corridors so that you don't have interruption. You have rules of play agreed. One other important thing we are bringing as SARA is the promotion of standards and regulation. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll delve a little bit uh, deeper into that. Why standards? Standards 
pre-specify what you are going to construct. Standards also help you with maintenance. Standards also give market confidence to the customers to say this railway is operating at standard so we don't expect derailments in simplicity. So maintenance comes into play. A lot of countries in Africa are self-regulating. So when they have standards and they are self-regulating, that gives room for a lot of compromises. But when you have regulators in place, like RSR, Railway Safety Regulator of South Africa, or LATRA, Land Transport Regulatory Authority of Tanzania, those are policing entities making sure that the standards are complied to. As SARA, we have facilitated for the SADIC region, creating a platform for all independent regulators to conform, to agree, and to promote compliance to SADAC railway standards. We want this reciprocated across the continent so that even designs, when you bring in contractors, we have heard in this workshop that most of uh, the high-speed railway projects are being developed uh, from designs which have been drawn by the contractors who have developed them. What does that mean? That affects pricing as well. So in the independent audits of these construction designs are important. Who best to look at it than the regulators who will be subject matter experts and seeing that even costing then is appropriately done. So hence we are saying uh, standards is key, but also regulation to ensure there's compliance to standards is key. Another important issue we are bringing, and we feel it's very important, we are bringing to this discussion is capacity building, human capital. As Sarah, we have identified that in the SADC region, we have a few universities which are promoting skills development in the railway sector. In South Africa, here you have the Transnet Academy. In Zambia, you have uh, the Copper Belt University working with Tazara. They are, they are channeling out uh, degree holders in railway. In Tanzania, you have the National Institute of Transport. So we are creating a platform where we want to harmonize human capital development for railway. We have uh, specifically done this because we are soon developing a regional railway infrastructure master plan. And, and whilst you're talking about skills, before we get to yeah, the master plan, sure. don't discount the University of Pretoria. They Correct. A, an incredible rail Brilliant. program. The University of Pretoria, University of Johannesburg, uh, where I'm actually uh, doing my PhD with. Okay. The universe, and it's in, in railway economic regulation. The University of Pretoria, Stellenbosch, we are bringing them on board. Mm -hmm. And we are inviting all other universities who provide training in railways. What we are simply saying is this. If you are going to have an IT engineer for railways coming from University of Pretoria and one coming from Belt University of Zambia, they should be comparable in the skills they are bringing to take to the market. They should even work whether in Zambia, South Africa, Angola, because their qualification is similar. So let's get back to the master plan. Here. Yeah. I think at the last Lara conference and exhibition, I think there was an announcement that the master plan was now being developed and it yes. being funded. Where are you at with that? Thank you. So the master plan has been approved for funding by the board of the Africa Development Bank. What that means is that we have terms of reference ready. 
we have the scope of work specified in those terms of reference and we are ready to now procure the consultants to develop the master plan. This is not a document which will sit on the shelf like many master plans because the terms of reference have also captured development of a bankable investment program out of the master plan. Okay. So you have an array of projects from the different countries in SADC, how SADC is going to connect with EAC, and out of that, there are some which will be prioritized for private sector appetite. That is bankability, to say these have good economic return. If private sector invests in them, then there's a return. That saves government's money because then private sector takes it to bankability and constructs. And this will be done at agreed SADAC standards. How does Thara, you know, you're talking about this, this master plan and development of the master plan. Yeah. I understand that you're bringing consultants for that. Mm. But from a SARA perspective, how and your mandate under, under the SADAC, you know, Southern African Development Community uh, Protocol, how does SARA then engage with each of, you know, different countries within Southern Africa? How do you make sure that there's consistency in what's coming through from a railway perspective? Beautiful. So I'm sitting in South Africa, so I'll start with South Africa and bring it all the way to DRC in a nutshell. You appreciate that the, a master plan is one which is focusing on bringing you or taking you from here to a particular horizon which you have envisioned. So this master plan is first of all saying we need energy requirements. Because when you're talking high-speed railway, we're talking electrification of railway. It needs power support. So we need to know that if we are really going to implement uh, high-speed railway and it needs power, then we need to look at power generation points, clean energy power generation points to support railway infrastructure development. So it will not only be SARA working alone, we are looking at working with the energy sector, Southern Africa Power Pool for the SADC region. That is number one. But how do we integrate all other member states? Remember the principle of the corridor. Each country has its railway plans. As SARA, we look at the regional efficacy and how they connect. So we are saying with this SADIC Railway Infrastructure Master Plan, South Africa does not need to look at connectivity on its own and do its national plan without knowing what Namibia is planning, Zambia, Malawi, Angola. We are going to say for the region, this is what we are prioritizing. So the consultant will be guided by us, Sarah, and SADC Secretariat will be supervising. That's why we have the terms of reference. They are the rules of the game to say, for Zambia, these are the priorities. For Namibia, for South Africa. And this is how they interconnect. With any master plan and for railway, it's long-term investment. So you need long-term commitment. We expect this master plan adopted as the international plan for each country even funding will be allocated by nations for that in that respect. Corridor projects will be approved intergovernmental and everyone will need to contribute. Because I'll give you an example of uh, the Kazungula Bridge project, which has a railway component in it. That's between Zambia and Botswana. The railway component has been constructed on the bridge. The road is open, but now there's need for railway connection from Livingstone, 70 kilometers thereabout to Kazungula. In Botswana, it's about uh, 280 kilometers 
Tulipalale from Kazungula. So you see, if there isn't that strong agreement, it won't be constructed. It will just be like a dividing line of the, of the bridge. However, if it's, it has been put for bankability and private sector see that it's economical, when governments uh, fall short, private sector come in, they have a duration to run it, like we have on the Bait Bridge Bulawayo Railway. It's a private sector financed infrastructure. But later on, it will revert to government. So that is the approach. So for this one, all governments are getting the support directly for, for their regional or international railway planning. It, it, it can be looked at in that manner. So you've covered the integration between, you know, the interministerial, the railway operators themselves, and, and the regional connectivity. Correct. Um, and most of these are government entities. Yes. You bring up an interesting point in terms of, you know, the Bridge Railway, which is privately run. Is SARA going to make space within their environment or within your environment to accommodate private operators who are wanting to operate have access to networks across the southern african region excellent excellent question in the sense that railway economic regulation is now uh in the wind railway economic regulation basically means you are looking at different modes of running railway in the sadek region for a long time we have looked at parastatal companies government companies running railways but we have seen that private sector can assist. How? This is how we've started. When there's a shortfall of wagons, say you are moving wheat out of South Africa, there's a shortfall of wagons. Transnet has, uh, in certain circumstances, arranged with the customers as say, we don't have enough wagons. Can you supply wagons to carry your wheat? Can you supply wagons to, to carry your coal? I'm giving an example. And the customers will say, yes, we can actually mobilize from the private sector. We'll pay for these wagons, but then you need to give us a negotiated rate because we're bringing the resource. Mm. Okay? Great. So looking at that model of accommodating customers, why then not have private players also running trains on the line? So this is what is called open access. And you, are, you now start looking at models of vertical separation. Basically, I'm saying there's an infrastructure manager and then there's operators running on top of the line. So in South Africa, you have got this, the, the concept of the 16 slots, mm -hmm. where you are saying, fine, let's give these slots for private sector operation. What that means is there has to be an infrastructure manager who will transnet maintain the infrastructure and give access to private sector, or will they even give the infrastructure management to the private sector? That is your government's decision, but it's an approach. On Dar Salaam Corridor, Tazara is maintaining the infrastructure, but it has allowed third-party operators to also run alongside Tazara trains. Successfully. Successfully. That is third-party access, or others refer to as open access. But there's something which needs to be done there. There's supposed to be an economic regulator to make sure that slots to the private sector are given equitably as you are giving your own government operator. Mm. Otherwise, you'll be favoring your government operator and the private sector won't be getting enough access to the rail infrastructure. Remember, it's a single lane. 
I absolutely agree with you on that. And, yeah. and that brings me to the next point, because there was also something that was raised. Uh, I think you raised it Okay. Um, in there. And that's more along the lines of, do we do economic regulators that are regional? Mm-hmm. Or do we need an economic regulator per country? Because my feeling is, is that if we have the ability to put a train here in South Africa to go all the way up to to Zambia, to Zambia, or even Botswana, Angola, DRC, yeah. Yes, on the let's say the North South Corridor. Yes, I'm thinking that that should be from a regulatory, economic regulatory point of view. That that should be managed from, in my view, a SARA level, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Good question. And, and not necessarily the regulator here who says it's per ton, you know, cost per ton is X. Yes. Because really, at the end of the day, we try to bring down the cost of transport. We try to Correct. make rail sexy or, you know, do that conversion from road to rail. Yeah. And so we need to have that cohesion. Otherwise, it goes back to the tariff and the regulation actually stopping the interoperability between yeah. countries. I like that you ask the question and you give a lot of hint in answering it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but it's, it's really like this and it boils down to the principal concept of a corridor and the fundamentals of a corridor. You are basically agreeing to come together, to work together on a particular section. What are you doing? You are breaking the the bottlenecks. Interchange points, you are breaking them. Basically, you are saying you want a train to move seamless across the borders. It has to be recognized. For that to happen, you need, first of all, intergovernmental agreements so that you flex on the sovereignties and say, let's recognize that this train is a Beira corridor train and it can be labeled as such. It can move from the port of Beira all the way to DRC through uh, Mozambique, Zimbabwe, Zambia up to DRC. It's recognized as such. When you do that, it means you are creating a corridor railway market. Yes? When you have a corridor railway market, there has to be rules, and that is economic regulatory rules. The same way you buy an air ticket as a customer from uh, here through SAA, (laughs) and you are going to, 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 to Taiwan, you are going to the US, you might have a couple of connections. But as a customer, you don't want to know what's happening in the back office. You just get your ticket from one window, that's why we call it the single window concept. You get one ticket and you want your wagon to move from Beira all the way to DRC. You, as a customer, you don't want to know the nitty gritties in the background. That's economic regulation. That's one rule playing. So yes, when there's an intergovernmental corridor agreement signed for economic regulation, then you also need a regulator for the corridor so that in each country, customers are safe Private operators are safe. They know that they are recognized on the Beira Railway Corridor and not on Zambia, Zimbabwe, or Mozambique section. It should be Beira Corridor, and the rules are the same. There's ICT for surveillance, digital cloud services, whatever it is. Those are corridor enablers. That can also be concessioned to private sector. You have, re- you have a lot of companies doing that. It doesn't have to be the railway companies doing it. It can be franchised mm-hmm. at a fee. Same for infrastructure. Loading and offloading equipment at different points. 
like that. Then a corridor has rules and it's being managed uniquely. So then I'm going to take a step back sure. and we're going to talk about something else. Um, and it may be the question probably stems from yesterday's presentation where we were talking about the African Continental Free Trade Agreement and we are talking about the number of wagons that would be required and the, um, the number of, of... So we didn't talk about locomotives, but we talked yeah. about wagons and, and passenger coaches and things like that. Yeah. Um, if I bring that down to, to more of a, a SARA, a SADC yes. region, yes. and I say to you a topic that's been ongoing under the SARA banner for some time has been that leasing pool. Yes. Of equipment, be it locomotives, wagons, whatever. Mm. Is that, has that been put aside or is there still something that SARA is considering as like a joint operations kind of idea with members? And how do we, if it's still on the table, how do mm. we get it going? Excellent. So it is still on the table. We are only refining the idea. And uh, again, going with uh, the corridor concept, uh, uh, to use it as an example and in, in how we are refining it. When a corridor is defined, then you can have a corridor wagon pool. Yes. It's easier. Because you've also got the axle loads and all sorts You of have got all the axle loads, all the designs, the specification for that corridor. But for SADIC, it's good we have SADIC standards. So we are all on the same gauge and, and we are basically moving towards the same uh, axle loading and everything. Mm. But for a corridor, it means when you stencil, for example, Nakala Corridor, uh, Mozambique, Malawi, Zambia, and you say on this corridor we have a pool of wagons, they are stenciled, these are the companies supplying wagons, and this is a pool you can draw from. That is recognized for the corridor, and those wagons can, can, can operate on that corridor designed for customer centrism, the products on that mm. corridor. Mm. It's easier. When you take it to Sarah level, holistic, for everyone, it becomes, yes, very big, but it becomes more complex. You can imagine we have 11 uh, SADC regional railway corridors. Yes. But if we have, and of course it's economies of scale, that's the beauty. The whole region is, is working on, on the same uh, gauge, same type of, uh, of wagons. What that simply means is we can negotiate with suppliers and say, a rental fee in the SADC region for wagons is, is this rate as opposed to this market rate, we negotiate it using the law of large numbers. It's a bulk purchase. Yes. But with a corridor, it means you can tie that leasing to three companies and not one. Correct. And they already have corridor customers. So you are giving them more negotiation power. So yeah. give me a timeline, because actually that's probably one of the most exciting things. Okay, On so the, the SADC ministers, yes, the SADC ministers at their meeting of 2021 approved this concept. Mm -hmm. On the North-South Corridor, uh, the project which uh, was uh, financed by SADC, uh, the funds are being uh, managed by DBSA, Development Bank of Southern Africa. We're now going for bankability. Bankability basically means now drawing where it's, it will show positives for the private sector to get involved. Mm -hmm. Once those terms of reference are done, we engage the private sector. We are soliciting for funds for that bankable project okay. and getting a transaction advisor. Remember, this is the first 
time regionally the corridors and or the railways are now going for private sector engagement so we don't have that adequate experience mm -hmm. so we are getting a transaction advisor as well to help come up with the best deal for our members yeah so that it, yeah, it's not biased yeah the Southern African Railway Association's conference and exhibition, which is coming up end of October. What, what's on the table to entice exhibitors and visitors and delegates? So in terms of capacity building and uh, the mandate of SARA, we have been moving from railway operators to pronouncing railway industry and other players. An industry has its operators. An industry has people who manage the infrastructure, an industry has people who manage the ICT, an industry has financiers, and an industry has manufacturers and suppliers. All these players are unique. They need to be recognized. Their voice, their expectations need to be accounted for. And for Sarah, this is what we are doing. Even universities, like we discussed or talked to earlier, they are important because they are building human capital. So what is the Sarah International Rail Conference? We bring all these industry stakeholders together and we say, for example, in this year, we'll be pronouncing the master plan. This is what's coming. This study by then, because the conference is coming, is going to be held uh, on uh, 25th and 26th of October mm -hmm. uh, this year. And by then we already have the consultancy uh, running, developing this master plan uh, with the financing from the African Development Bank, as I mentioned earlier. So with this study going on, it will be a point of people contributing to the development of the master plan. Mm -hmm. the, the, all these players in the railway industry will be able to contribute to those terms of reference and say, no, look, for us, this master plan needs a futuristic procurement plan mm -hmm. because we exist to supply the railway industry. So what new lines are coming up? What will be the demand like? That affects planning for plant and equipment. Yeah, especially with the lead time. Exactly. Otherwise, industries are closing. And this is where we're talking job creation. Currently, in the high-speed railway project, all infrastructure is being imported and installed on our continent. It is? Yes. Nothing is being constructed within the continent. Nothing is being manufactured within the continent. Well, we, we have to be careful when we say that because, you know, we've got workshops going down when we talk about the continent continent mm -hmm. but workshops going down in egypt we've got um assembly plants and manufacturing facilities in nigeria yes you know so we can't say that there's limited capacity because they there is capacity it's being developed now and it's being developed now what my concern is is like in the you know the african high-speed rail thing yes. south africa has been considered as the manufacturing hub. I think it's between South Africa and Zambia. It's South Africa, yeah. Okay. And um, we have no we have no manufacturing. Exactly. Like, and this is why we are saying sector has been decimated. This is why we are saying when you have a master plan, then you have a procurement vision agreed hmm. for and this is what Australia as an example did. They had a master plan and then they said, look, this has to be supplied by our own industry within Australia. And now, from supplying their own industry, they're even able to export. Yes. Same thing for Japan. This is what they did. And in Japan, uh, they, they, they actually have a term for it. I've, I've, I've forgotten the term. But it's, it refers to in-built technology. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. where they 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 check their demands they see what's suitable for their island and they develop for it mm. and they supply okay. similarly for china we cannot ignore that so this is what we need for africa as well we need capacity build our engineers thinking and innovating for africa yeah if we have a dependency where everything has to be imported all the time where are the jobs we are talking about what are our engineers what are our economists doing we need to encourage capacity building research and development so that we can even evolve from the sgr the high speed railway the standard gauge we can evolve later out mm. of our own initiative yeah. and not being driven to evolve to be supplied commodity thank you very much for your time you're most welcome i look forward to seeing you again <laughs> yeah most definitely most definitely